0: Tuesday, October twenty fifth, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Helen. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool stock advisor Andy Cross, from Motley Fool Hidden Gems Charlie Travers, and from Motley Fool Inside Value Joe Mager. Guys, good to see you. Hi, hey, Chris. Hey, Hi, Chris. We have earnings from 3M and Under Armour. But first shares of netflix down huge today on very heavy trading this comes after monday's earnings announcement the company lost eight hundred thousand subscribers in the most recent quarter and warned of more subscribers leaving as well as rising costs um there's a lot to talk about here andy um it's a long time uh recommendation of stock advisor um let's just deal with the most recent quarter what did you make of it
1: yeah it was a brutal quarter chris i mean not not horribly unexpected um, but it's been like a horror film the last three months here for netflix i mean we've had this really bizarre and ill-timed and ill-executed marketing um campaign with price increases changing the service that reed hastings put in quicksters on quicksters off um and that all has led to this this um a loss of net subscribers um more than expected and um and the stock just is taking a beating today, and and for the last three months, frankly, it's down seventy percent. I mean, that's just a loss of extremely amount of value for a subscriber for, for shareholders. Now, there are maybe some some silver, slight silver linings to the story, is that their gross additions are up, um, their weekly net loss of subscribers is slowing. Um, and the international, international expansion, while expensive and will cause um, the loss for the first few quarters mm-hmm. of next year, which is one reason why the, the guidance is down. The Investors are so scared of the stock right now. So th- those are some silver linings. But really, overall, you can just see the impact from this summer's um, disastrous marketing efforts.
0: So a few months ago, Netflix was uh, you know, clearly the leader in the online video space. Um, Charlie, let's look at the landscape now. Yep. You've got... Um, you've got Redbox uh, with its parent company, Coinstar. You've obviously got Amazon, um, Dish Network, uh, which bought Blockbuster. What do you make of the landscape now and, and to the extent that this is a horse race? Is there a lead horse at this point? Uh Netflix is in the
2: lead by at least 10 lengths at this point. Um, amazon has been coming up hard with prime and i just bought my prime subscription this week and i could say and i get prime straight through my tv so it's a direct comp with netflix streaming uh Prime doesn't deliver nearly the value or the user experience that Netflix does. You know, they'll say, oh, we signed up deals with PBS, but then you log into Prime and you've got to pay three ninety nine for a high-def movie, where in comparison with Netflix, you can get a lot of the same content for a flat rate of $8. So Netflix still provides both the best value proposition and the interface is much cleaner and easier to use.
3: Well, you still get free shipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Prime is awesome <laughs> <Yeah>. for shipping, <laughs>
2: but it's not on a video streaming uh, Comparison, it's just not quite there. I
3: agree. I have it too, and it's definitely not the same experience on quality or selection.
1: You get free shipping of Netflix streaming videos though with their <laughs> sure fee. There you go, one hundred
0: percent, one hundred percent. As Andy mentioned, I mean, this is a company that uh, in Netflix that over the last three months has lost somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy to seventy-five percent of its market cap. Um, where do we think it goes from here? Is this is this like AOL, which had that great rise through the '90s and then merged with Time Warner and then sort of fell from there and sort of stayed down, um, or is this more like Apple, which had a great run uh, as we were say, as you said before taping, Charlie? Uh, Apple was three weeks away from bankruptcy right. in in the mid '90s um, and has obviously had a phenomenal run over the last ten years. Where, where do you think it goes from here, Andy?
1: Well, I, there's, a, there's a great debate on the Stock Advisor message boards and also among our team trying to figure out you know, what, what do we think about Netflix from here. Here's the way I look at this. Um, Reed Hastings is one of the best, outside of these blunders, he's been a visionary in this space and he's been right all along. As David Gardner said, we've at Stock Advisor have been right for about seven years and, and wrong for the last few months when it comes to the stock. So Reed's made some blunders and he needs to correct those right away. They're getting at that a little bit, but I think they can do more maybe we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, the stock, I think, will react to positive momentum from the leadership and the board. And then, if they do that, if they show the momentum, the stock, I think, given the fact that they are a leader in the space, they have a lot of opportunity, they are really trying to go about this kind of um, constructive destruction on their own business to kind of get ahead of the declining, ultimately declining DVD business. Yep. So, I applaud that. They've gone at it... The wrong way. There's been some blunders along the way. So, that having been said, I think if they can get that straight and they just show some leadership from Reed and from the board, I think the stock can react positively.
0: Um, Charlie, we had talked a few months ago in here uh, about Netflix. Um, one of the pieces of this story is how Netflix has deployed their cash. Uh, over the last few years. Um, and you raised the point about, like, look, this is a company that's going to need cash to pay for content. They've been spending a lot on stock buybacks. I think the figure is somewhere around a billion dollars they've spent over the last four years. Um, going forward, do you expect, uh, l- let me rephrase that. Going forward, do you think it's a red flag for investors if Netflix um, starts spending some of their cash on stock buybacks, or is the stock knocked down to the point where now it makes even more sense to buy it back?
2: Well, that's the funny thing, uh, this is a broad question in general about what companies they do. They tend to buy back stock in good times, and then when you know times get tough and the stock gets hit, that's when they're like, "Oh no, we need to batten down the hatches," mm-hmm. and that's actually the best time to come out and buy the stock. Um, I would say, in general, I have become you know over the past. You know, a few years less and less enamored with companies in general buying back stock. Uh, I've really become an admirer of what Apple has done and built up this impenetrable fortress, war chest. And I think the best way for companies to create value is not by buying back their own stock, but by investing in the business and delivering products that their customers love. And that's what I want to see Netflix
0: focusing on over the next year. Joe, what do you say to investors who have held this stock for a while? And, uh, and and maybe they're in the red on this because, again, this is, this has dropped like 70%, 75% over the last few months. I mean, whether it's Netflix uh, subscribers or investors right now uh, or just from your own experience where you've, you've had a stock that sort of dropped suddenly in value, what do you say to someone?
3: Yeah, well, usually in my experience, when a stock drops like this, it ends up being a good thing. Being a value guy, I'm always intrigued when the stock falls by 35% in a day. Mm-hmm. Now, usually it's not when I own it. Uh, when I see someone else's stock, I'm intrigued. Um, you know, I would say the fundamental story here, if you just step back a little bit, has not changed very much. Like the competitive dynamics with Amazon, really have, that hasn't dramatically changed over the time that Netflix's stock has been killed. So if you are still believing in the same fundamentals and thesis that you were six months ago, then I would view this as a buying opportunity. But- if, you know, if that was never your case and you were not in there to begin with, I don't know that, you know,
0: I would use this as a time to get in. Um, Andy, uh, when you look at uh, the next few months, obviously, as you said, it's been a brutal quarter. It's been a a horror film. Uh, This is a company that badly needs a win. This is a CEO that badly needs a win uh, because um, a lot of this is about Communications errors uh, on the part of Netflix. What's the easiest path to a, a short-term win? Is it a content deal? What do they need to do?
1: You know, it's interesting. Um, Reed Hastings batted near a thousand for so many years, and then you know he strikes out a couple times the plate, and, and, and investors you know shred the stock, and for good reason. I mean, they I were think big
3: strikeouts. And- they, yes. they were
1: very, and that's the point. They were very big. You know, pronounced strikeouts, and he got a little ahead of himself, and I think a little hubris worked into it. Not not a little, a lot, and um, so I think really it's going to start with him. He needs to come out strong. They really need to focus back on the member. I just feel like they've gotten more corporate, it seems, mm-hmm. like more focus on shareholders and stock returns and buying back stock at inappropriate times to offset dilution, that kind of thing. I really want them to focus on what their core business is, which is serving and delighting members. They've done that so well for so many years. It's one reason why we've applauded this. The their performance, Reed's performance in the stock has done so well for, for us as stock advisor and for our members for so long. And then they go ahead and do this. So I think really doubling down. Now, what that means, is that a content deal? Is that some kind of deliverable for their for the members to, yet to be seen? But um, that's, that's the one place they have to go back to their to the corp. They still have 24 million members or something like that, yeah. 24 million members. So that's, that's not chump change. That's a lot of members. They can delight and continue to delight. So they need to get after that.
0: Charlie, uh, just to wrap up on Netflix, uh, what's something that investors should watch over the next maybe six months um, to get an indication of the health of this company?
2: I think, yeah, the subscriber count is everything, and you'd like to see them rebound. It, it, it's kind of natural. Anytime a business announces a big change, some people are going to walk away, and they've guided that. The count is going to bounce back in Q4, and I think we want to watch and make sure that they can capture some of that magic, get people happy to be members again. And I think that's what you got to look for. Joe,
0: you agree with that? Or yeah, I else? do. I think
3: if the count bounces back and it starts moving upwards, then that's definitely a pretty strong sign that things are rebounding. That a lot of the people who washed out because of the price increase, that was a short term blip. I think if you see a continued fall there, then you got some real fundamental issues.
0: Shares of 3M down 5% this morning after the manufacturing company reported a 1% drop in quarterly earnings. Joe, what happened?
3: I know, this seems really boring compared to the Netflix story. Um, Yeah, I mean, what happened was they came in below uh, expectations and they lowered guidance for sales and Mm -hmm. earnings. And really what's killing them is weak LCD uh, sales, so basically televisions and screens. And I'm kind of surprised that the market's surprised by this because all the data we've seen, you know, Best Buy, for example, has Mm -hmm. reported some terrible quarters recently and lowered their guidance specifically because of weak TV sales which, uh, you know, again, I'm just not surprised that 3M is struggling here, both in volume and in pricing, because it's such a commodity business. Uh,
0: we talked yesterday about Caterpillar, uh, and they reported earnings, and part of the story there was that uh, they were quite bullish on the, the state of the U.S. economy. Relatively speaking, Caterpillar is pretty conservative in their economic pronouncements, but it certainly made headlines, the fact that their Caterpillar essentially said, no, we don't think there's going to be another recession. Uh, FedEx has, has echoed that, so is Honeywell. Um, but today, 3M, uh, part of their story today was also just sort of their, their, uh, for lack of a better word, their grim <laughs> outlook on the economy, um, and they lowered uh, their forecast. Um, Charlie, Andy, who, who are we to trust here? Is it Caterpillar and FedEx? Is it 3M? Well,
3: I think it's important to throw in that 3M is still looking at growth. So we're not talking about you know, the CEO coming out and saying that we're backsliding into this hellacious yeah, yeah. mess. I mean, it's just they're not going to grow as much as they expected.
1: It is interesting, though. What's the the quote that you get 20 economists in a room and you get 20 different forecasts? Right. I feel like nowadays you get 20 companies in the room, you get yeah. 20 different forecasts of what they're looking for for the next quarter. So, um, hey, I guess they're, they should know their business better than anybody else, so if that's what they're saying. But I think they're different businesses, and I think each – it seems to me that companies um, – Really, they're st- we're so tailored now to their business. They have such good forecasting. They should, especially large international companies like 3M, Caterpillar, have such good um, insights into their pipeline. They have a pretty good idea of what to expect. So it's specific to each company, not necessarily a general. I don't think it necessarily a real general take on the entire macro economy.
0: Charlie, do you have a, a particular company you look to for for guidance on the economy, or, or are you in the same camp as Andy? I,
2: I like the credit card companies, like Amex, Mastercard, and they'll yep. tell you what people are spending. It's a pretty good barometer. In real time.
0: And finally, shares of Under Armour up earlier today after reporting third quarter profits up 32%. Uh, Charlie? Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Charlie? Charlie Travers raising the roof. Well, we own Under Armour and Hidden yeah. Jabs,
2: so we're very <laughs> happy about this when they come out with 40% growth. <laughs> Tell me about the quarter. Uh, so it's basically strong across the board. Uh, everything from apparel to footwear uh, and some of the accessories were up strong. And, you know, sometimes quarter to quarter, each of those segments bounces around a little bit. But this time they really hit it on all uh, cylinders. And they raised their guidance for the year, which always makes me happy. And they're looking towards a strong Q4. Um,
0: under Armour is uh, in. A, it, it seems to me, anyway, a little bit of a tough spot from a competitive standpoint because they are lumped in with companies like Nike and Adidas, which have you heard of them? <laughs> 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 um, have you heard of Nike being 10 times the size of Under Armour? Um, you know, they're primarily footwear companies who have right. branched into apparel. Uh, Under Armour sort of gone the reverse Yeah, Under Armour took yeah. apparel, and now they're trying
2: to invade Nike's turf on shoes. And it's been a struggle for them, and they would be very upfront about that over yeah. the past two years because, I mean, to be honest, Nike's a dominant sportswear company. Um, but Under Armour knows that they have to create shoes that perform well and so this involves putting technology into the shoes and get it to the consumer at a price point uh, that they want and they're, they keep coming at it and next year is supposed to be a good year for footwear with them.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating that the Under Armour story with the way that they've built their business really through a local level colleges, through football, through lacrosse. Yeah. I think I even saw their um, logo on some of the uh, Rugby World Cup things which tells me they're going international. Now, I don't know if that's actually true but I, I could have swore I saw the you know that very uh, well-known under 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 Armour logo. So the way they built that business and they're doing the same approach with with their shoes and so while it's been a struggle, I think the success they've had historically on marketing their products Mm -hmm. and building out that loyalty that they have and they do have a really strong loyalty to that kind of performance uh, uh, apparel I think is one thing that we'll watch to see if they can continue to leverage that for footwear.
0: Charlie, we were talking uh, before we were taping, um, the footwear business is lower margin than the apparel business. Um, Given that fact and given the dominance that Nike has, um, is there a limit to which you want to see them uh, go after the shoe market? Is it, is it a bet that they almost have to make but uh, from an economic standpoint, you don't want them to focus too much on it? I think they
2: have to proceed with caution and not just spend too much money willy-nilly and do it at a very measured pace. But it's such a large market, they absolutely should go after it. And it's not just the kind of uh, trainers or running shoes people might wear around town, but they're you know, they getting into like football cleats, basketball shoes that are performance footwear, and that'll trickle down into the mass market. And I think they should go at this in a very smart way, which I think they're doing. But it, it's very competitive
3: why doesn't nike buy these guys it's because under armor doesn't want to sell
2: or
1: well kevin plank owns a chunk of the shares i don't know maybe 60 i mean he so he has the decision i mean
2: this is his legacy and he's a young guy i can't imagine he wants to sell Sell out out to
1: yeah like your adidas although you know you never know i mean like i i think we'll we're seeing some of the other big larger players get into the perform at least for the performance gear and try to compete with under armor um I think they've had some success, but I think, you know, Under Armour outside of the performance in their, in their golf apparel and all those kind of not necessarily the super tight shirts that Joe Mager wears around the right. office, you know. Right, sure. So. Well,
0: he's got the gun, so yeah, he that can is do that. That's true, yeah. Um, obviously, a, lo- <laughs> uh, a lot of uh, different apparel, different types of apparel, uh, sort of broadening it to fashion writ large. Um, If you could bring something back to the world of fashion or you could just kill something outright, Joe, what would you go with? I'm bringing back
3: the members-only jacket. Oh, oh, (sighs) wow.
0: Thankfully. I thought about that. They've been
3: gone, and I know you've missed them. Well, the trucker hat came back. I don't know why the (laughs) (laughs) members-only jacket hasn't had a
2: run.
1: But that was all like uh, Urban Outfitters, right? It's
2: It's all about exclusivity with the brand. Charlie, what about you? What about some, like, hammer pants? The, uh, the balloon pants? Yeah. I yeah. think Andy has some of them. I don't have the moves to wear them, but yeah. They went out when gold hit 1800. Right. Exactly.
0: Know. Andy, what about you? Uh, th-
1: I th- I think they're called the dolphin shorts. Those what are dolphin s- shorts? I think those shorts that coaches wear, like, you know, like back in the 80s, like you saw like your high school, at least no one, my high yeah, school. Like yeah. short shorts? Yeah, like shorts are tight. They the kind of like... They like With lace up. Like yeah, no, white, no. Like, yeah they, they kind of lace up. They're you like, want to bring those back? No, get rid of them oh, all get together. Of, oh, okay. I'm afraid that I don't want them. Oh, God, bring them back? Yeah, no. I'm afraid that they're going to have some kind of resurgence and like kind of like... Where do they even get those no things? Idea. I've never seen think, them
3: for sale anywhere. Right, it's like I the secret <laughs> fraternal order of shorts. <laughs> right, They exactly. get them from dolphins.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where the name came from, but
0: if you know... Drop us an email, radio at fool.com. Help us solve the Dolphin Shorts mystery. Andy Cross, Charlie Travers, Joe Mager. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Please be sure to vote at podcastawards.com. Only a couple of days left to vote for Market Foolery in the 2011 Podcast Awards. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
1: Dolphin Shores are riding me a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that I can't see anything behind this desk.